Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Katie Kremitzos. Katie is the founder of the Women's Meditation Network, and she's the creator of several podcasts under Meditation for Women. And I love this conversation. Katie is such a delight. She's a mother and an entrepreneur. And we talk about some of the practicalities of both of those, um, trying to uh, thread the needle um, and balance a fulfilling life mindfully with both of those. So she gives a lot of great tips as we go through um, a lot of kind of low-hanging fruit in terms of being mindful throughout the day without necessarily getting into a meditation. Um, So just a beautiful, beautiful person and a wonderful episode. So uh, before we get started, I just want to mention a few cool things that I have tried that I want to pass along, recommend, um, and hope that they can be beneficial for you too. We'll start with Kamuso which helps you shift out of fight or flight by slowing your exhale. There's no app, batteries, or chemicals involved. It's just a beautiful product that you wear, and it induces a proven breath technique that calms you down. I found also that just seeing it shifts my mind to notice my breath and make it slower because you're wearing it. So when I notice it, I um, even if I don't use it in that moment, I... Um, make a point of shifting my breath. So it's a great product and I'll be speaking to the founder of the, on the podcast soon. Um, you can check it out. Use promo code Kara Goodwin 15 to get 15% off. That's Kara Goodwin, Kara with a K Kara Goodwin 15 for 15% off. If you're wanting to try podcasting, I definitely recommend Libsyn for your hosting needs. Libsyn makes it simple to get your podcast out to all the podcast platforms out there like Apple, Spotify, and Audible. Use code TMC for your new account and get two whole months free. That's TMC, the meditation conversation. Do your part to cut out unnecessary plastic and water used in processing traditional shampoos by using Viore shampoo bars. I've been using Viore for over a year now, and I truly love this product. My hair feels and looks great. The product is beautiful right down to the origami packaging. It would make a great gift. It's just so beautifully packaged. And again, you're taking an important step in being gentler on the planet. Uh, Use code Kara, Kara with a K, K K-A-R-A for 10% off. And definitely check out the many products from Best Made Natural Products. They have tons of homeopathic remedies, which are highly effective. It's a family-run business. It's been around for a long time. Get out from under pharma if you can and see what homeopathy can do for you. These products are much more natural. They work with the chemistry of your body. Um, Use code CARA10% for 10% off your order. K-A-R-A 10%. And you can find those links and products um, on my website. That's karagoodwin.com and in the show notes. And um, there are other things out there too that I didn't mention now. So go check that out. Support the show, support these beautiful businesses and enjoy this episode. 
Hi, welcome, Katie. I am so glad to finally be connecting with you on here. How are you doing? Hi, Kara. I'm doing really well. I feel like in some ways we've probably been orbiting each other for quite some time. And this is finally like, hey, finally we get to meet. I know. That's how I feel. Absolutely. So you are the founder of the Women's Meditation Network, and you have several podcasts under the Meditation for Women topic and and um, under that kind of heading and umbrella. Let's just start by how your work in meditation began. Yeah, um, I, uh, I can pinpoint the exact moment when I was introduced to meditation. I was, uh, I want to say 19 or 20, I think about 19. And I was taking a yoga class at Arizona State University. And uh, it was my very first yoga class, and we did our positions, and at the very end of class, we laid down in Shavasana, and the instructor took us through a five-minute guided meditation. And I, I kind of awoke from that meditation going, wow, that was so awesome, <laughs> because it was like this moment where I could actually remember, even though I was you know, just like meditation practice, it wasn't like perfectly still. My mind wasn't perfectly quiet, but like it was this, it was this really honest moment of my mind actually being guided to some level of clarity or stillness or quiet. And um, my body felt really soft yet alive. And so I just woke up going, yeah, that was cool. I want more of that. And over the years then, I just kind of sought out different ways that I could meditate. And, you know, back then that looked like going to the library and probably checking out like CDs that that I could get of any guided meditations. And then also, um, I can also still very vividly remember the very first time I tried to, to actually meditate on my own in silence, you know, the kind of picturesque version of a meditation. I was in my dorm room and I was you know, lights were off. I had candles burning. And I think I, I want to say I probably even had some music just in the background. And I just sat on my bed in this perfect like lotus position back straight. And it lasted about 12 seconds before I was like cursing and like, this is so uncomfortable. I can't get my mind to stop. And I would try and get back in it. And the entire process probably lasted, you know, 15, 20 minutes before I just gave up and I was done. Um, but basically it was fulfilling enough. All of these little tastes of it were fulfilling enough for me to continue seeking it out in some way. Fast forward, I moved to Florida when I was 22 and somewhere along the way I ended up, um, you know, just being interested enough to find the local Buddhist center I would go and, you know, attend their whatever meditation series they had going on. I did that for a good year or two, um, very informally. Like I never met another person. It was just like I would show up and just listen to whatever was being taught about that, that topic or meditation. Then we would meditate on it. And it was just this interesting practice. And then, um, you know, I would... And then somewhere along the way, I met a friend who invited me to her home for a weekly meditation group, a group meditation. And that lasted about a year or two with people I never had met. And it was sometimes it was two of us, sometimes it was 10 of us. And then eventually I discovered 
my very first sort of digital meditation as we know it now. And that was Meditation Oasis. I can still remember. It was a podcast. And um, it was this beautiful woman named Mary who had this just gorgeous butter voice, very relaxing. And that was my first like, oh, I have a phone and I can access a meditation now. And I use them a lot to sleep. I use them when I was feeling frustrated. And basically, it just all of these things sort of accumulated to to building this muscle and seeing this thing as a tool that I could use in my life in a lot of different ways. And over the years, I've just sort of played with that tool and maneuvered it in different ways and practiced this way of meditating and practice that way of meditating. And that that's really been my experience as a, as a consumer or as a practitioner of meditation. Mm, I love that. I love the stick with itness that you had because my my journey with meditation before I integrated it as a daily practice was very hit or miss. And I you and I have a lot of parallels because you mentioned before we started recording that your birthday is next week. So happy birthday in advance. Thank you. Thank but, you. Um, and you're about to turn the age that I am. And so when you're talking about being in college and taking a yoga class, like I did that, I took a yoga class. I was a business student, but I was like, oh, I'm really curious about yoga. And I remember like the meditation sort of unit or when we talked about meditation and it was so hard and it was so like, it didn't draw me to it at all. I was very curious about it because it was so unusual, but I couldn't stick with it. And then just throughout my adult life, I would get curious about it, but I didn't have the same level of dedication at that time that you did because you kept like kind of finding um, these different avenues. Yes, but let me make sure to pull the curtains back. I was, ne- I have never been, nor am I even now, a daily meditator. Like I, I don't have like a practice that looks like, okay, every day I'm going to show up and do it at this time and look like that. Like that's just never been my practice. So, you know, that that story is definitely, you know, ha- has happened over years and perhaps not thinking about it again for another month or two and then trying it again. And, oh, I found this and this book sounds interesting. And, oh, that thing mentioned meditation. Maybe I should try this. Like it's, it feels like it's always been this energy that pulls at me very imperfectly. And, And I show up very imperfectly, but I'm willing because I'm interested and I, and I like how it feels even when it's frustrating, even when, my mind is going a thousand miles a minute as it still does after all of these years, after all these decades of doing this. And, um, it, and I just like the way it ends up feeling. And, and it's a cumulative feeling, meaning it's not like – it's like athletics, right? So I'm an athlete. And so it's sort of like you show up, you do your workout. Some days you do the workout and you were not in the mood to do the workout. It was a painful workout to get through. You're just glad it's done. Um, and you feel indifferent afterwards. You're just glad it's done, right? And then some days you're just like flying and it feels so good and you're energized and you're inspired and you feel really good afterwards. But the cumulative effect of working out, you feel in your bones, right? That's the way I feel about meditation. It's like there's some days I show up. There's some days I, I, I show up every day in some way of a level of mindfulness of like, what do I need today? Or some consciousness of breathing. Like I'm definitely that very, you know, not planned, um, but 
you know, I'm showing up every day sometimes in a formal meditation, being very frustrated by it, being very distracted, being, you know, letting myself pick up the phone, letting myself do all these things that I'm getting distracted by. And then some days I show up and it, it, I am able to sit for 10, 15 minutes and, and it feels really good. And just like that workout, it's that cumulative effect of feeling very clear and connected to myself. Um, and, and very confident that this tool that I have to know myself is very strong. That, yeah. that to me is the power of the meditation. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that. And I, I think everybody can relate to that, right? Where it's just like some days it's, it's easy. It feels great. It's like, why don't I do this for the rest of the day? And then some days it's like, oh my God, was that even worth it? You know? And I trust that anytime that I do sit to meditate is building. Like you say, that cumul cumulative effect is so powerful, but I often wonder, I mean, I would love to be able to have the insight for like my own chemistry, my own like physiology, like, okay, so how, how did I end up in this restless state? Is it what I ate yesterday? Is it the culmination of like how many days in a row I've had coffee? Is it the, the solar flares that are happening from the sun? Is it, and it's it, surely it's a yes, all of this, you know, is coming together for it. But I haven't been very good about like capturing the data to be like, well, yesterday I slept like this and I ate like this and I got in this kind of an argument or whatever. I was worried about this or and then tying that back. But we are fascinating, multifaceted creatures. And it's interesting to think about how all of it plays out when we try to sit and and it's so hard. <laughs> Yeah. And we all have that. Like those of us who have been, for those who have just started meditating, you know, you have that. For those of us who have been meditating for decades, we still have that. For those of us who have been meditating, you know, 30, 40, even 50 plus years, like they still have that. Like that is the common thing. Your brain's job is to make thoughts and to produce things and ideas. Like that's its job physiologically. We're not going to stop that. You know, meditation just gives us a, a, a way to detach from those thoughts so that we can allow ourselves to see that we are not our thoughts. And in that detachment, we're able to, to let go of the really big hold that we have on those thoughts so that we can allow them to sort of move away like clouds in the sky. They're there but they and they keep on moving, but we don't have to be there with them. We don't have to be one with that cloud. And in that detachment and in that beautiful, um, you know, awareness, a space opens up. And that's that space of stillness that we all really crave. Like, that's really what every, that's like the, you know, the, the holy grail of what meditation is and, and what you are told to go after in meditation is that, that sense of stillness, that sense of quiet. And, um, and so it, it's a really interesting dance to you know, not show up with meditation going, okay, my mind's going to get clear. It's going to get yeah. quiet. Like I got to, I got to accomplish that. Right. Because meditation is not about accomplishing anything. Yeah. And, and, and then the irony is that like, you have to completely let go in order to really 
feel that and live in that space uh, and, and experience that stillness. And sometimes it's for 30 seconds from a 20-minute meditation time that you have, and that's okay, um, as long as you get to practice experiencing that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I mean, that's what's so funny is sometimes when those moments of clarity come and it's really still and it's like, and then the thoughts start coming in about, oh my God, this is awesome. It's so still. Oh my God, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> and then it's like, wait a minute, it's gone. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> gone. There's my, yeah. there's my self narrating about the stillness right there. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It just chased it away really quickly. Well, so you have a lot of women, woman focus in your work. Um, what what makes you drawn specifically to working with women, and what kind of things do you feel like um, you particularly offer that specific group? Yeah, I I feel like I've been a feminist uh, my entire life in some respect. My dad was a feminist. My mom was a very is a very hardcore matriarchal figure. Uh, there are five, my parents have six kids, five girls, one boy. It was just a lot of feminine energy. Um, and I was always very proud to be who I was. I was, I didn't have what I think sometimes I hear is a very typical experience of like, I'm a girl. So therefore I was told I couldn't do this. That was not my experience at all. My experience was I am who I am and that is great. And I get to celebrate everything about me. And so, um, so in college, I, uh, I, I can I can remember the moment I took a um, I took a I think it was a feminist class or women's studies 101 and a gender and communication class all in the same semester and it completely blew my mind and turned my world upside down because I had never it was the first time I had seen that there are things called um, oh, you know, girls or women were told that they couldn't do things or, oh, like there were, have been limits in the past for women. And I wasn't aware of those things. And so it just really blew my mind. And I can remember, you know, sort of like the the end of those of that semester and, and a couple of subsequent semesters of taking some other women's studies classes of really kind of declaring like, I'm going to do work with women in this world. I don't know how, but I'm going to do work that impacts millions of women. Because if I can if I can make a difference in the lives of women, what I know about women is that we, we make big shifts happen in our lives and to our kids, to our communities. Like we are such, generally speaking, we are such connecting individuals. And so, you know, like I, I really still do believe. And back then I absolutely believed like I could change the world. If I can, if I can make an impact with women, I change the world for the better. So that's really where that fire began. And my entire professional life has, has in some way tried to, to express that love and that dedication in some way in a gazillion different ways and um, and so, you know, that then got married with the fact that when I was initially when I initially had this idea of creating the Women's Meditation Network and that would, you know, it would be all of these different types of meditations for women or different. It would, you know, all these different podcasts under the network would sort of meet women where they are in these different seasons of life, times of day, types of experiences, whatever that may be. And I started doing the research to see what was out there already. I was blown away that nothing existed. <laughs> this was 2018. 
And there was one, if you looked in 2018, if you looked up meditation and women, there was one podcast that existed and it was for transcendental meditation, which is a very, very specific type of meditation. And I was not that. I'm not trained in transcendental meditation. So I was like, I can't believe this doesn't exist. So that big fire that I have, have had to do work with women in the world, for women in the world, sort of met with this opportunity of... I can't believe this space exists. I'm going to take up the space. I'm going to be the behemoth in this space. If you look up meditation and women, that's going to be me. Let's go. And um, I'm very grateful and and proud to say that that's what's happened over the past four and a half years. That's amazing. Um, well, being that you are a woman, you're a mother, you are you know successful and busy and and living like a modern life. Can you share with us any of the particular challenges that you've had to overcome um, with all of that, with that combination of things, and also to be kind of dedicated to your own growth and to your meditation practice? Yeah, um, I I think struggles that I think many, all of us really have, um, which are, uh, you know, wanting having so many things that I love and that I value and making time for them all in a meaningful way. And uh, my sort of, you know, main dance that I do is between sort of my kids slash personal life or what I'll call mommying. So like mommying and business and these two worlds that both are incredibly significant for me. They both are, are parts of you know, who I am in this world that I really value and I want to put a lot of time and energy into them. And they both require a lot. <laughs> a yeah. lot. I have two littles. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old right now. So like I and when I was pregnant with my second is when I I launched the Women's Meditation Network. So it's been you know, it was, she's been raised with this. I, um, I have raised this business alongside these two girls, really. And so, um, you know, this is not a, a in, I don't know if there's any easy season of motherhood, but this is definitely not one of them if that does exist. Um, so so the struggles for me have been mostly having to rewrite the mindset that will allow me to do what I want to really do in this world, to 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 live into the the light that I really feel like I'm here to bring in all of these ways, because it's, um, it's not one or the other for me. Like I love my girls. And if I were to be a full-time mom and not allow myself the mode of self-expression through my business, that would feel very limiting. I would, I would feel, I would feel a little less than in my ability to be me. And the opposite is true as well. If I were, you know, just working this business and barely seeing my kids, I would absolutely feel a lack there. So so for me, it's it's really having to be very honest with myself, taking constant inventory of who I am, what my values are at any given moment, and and sort of taking stock on how those two things are dancing with each other. And in this this particular week, do the kids need to stay at school a little longer because I need to? I really do need to do some more work. And this week, that needs to be okay. And next week, oh, can I can I, can I pick up the kids right after school ends and and, you know, do less work because, you know, I want to have more quality time with them. And and even in saying that, there's sort of this, this underlying 
what I'm going to call a limiting belief called, I can't have both. I can't be, um, I can't have, my business cannot be in massive growth mode, doing amazing things in this world and, you know, impacting millions of women while I'm also being a very present, very active, very intentional mom. Like that is a very widely held belief by many, many people out there. And it's sort of out there in the ether. And that was one limiting belief that I was very aware of that I would have to constantly rewrite. And so I, and in doing that, it's, it's interesting because in doing that, there's some realities to it. Like I am freaking exhausted trying to do all of these things, right? I, I have brought myself to burnout more times than I care to admit this year in particular. Um, and I refuse to believe in, I refuse to believe in that belief. I, I have to find a way where I can do both and I will continue to practice how to do that better and better every single time. So though that really has been the biggest, most um, all-encompassing challenge that I've had is, is wanting to do this really great work and wanting, like, it's painful for me to stop working because I, I'm like, oh, I gotta go pick up the kids, right? And, um, and I want to be with my kids and I want that time with my kids. And so I refuse to work 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week. Like th those days don't exist for me anymore. Pre-kids, sure thing. But like, no, like I barely, I, you know, even 40 hours a week feels like way too much. So, um, you know, it, it is that dance is a constant conscious daily taking inventory, making decisions based on my values and 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 dealing with the consequences of those decisions as well. Mm, yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. It's so it's so relatable because I I feel just the same. My kids are older, they're 15 and 12. Um, but it seems like yesterday they were seven and three. Um or seven and four, was it seven and four? Um it that's one of the places where I think meditation helps so much because it's like through meditating, we're practicing our focus, right? So we're like learning how to continue to bring our awareness back. And that to me has, is, I'm realizing more and more, even at this stage in my journey, like how important that is outside of meditation, because I can get so distracted in, in what I'm doing. And, and, you know, I may have like, you know, four or five huge, like chunks of important things, you know, which is like family is one and the podcast is one. And then my, you know, business is one and, and so on and um, different things that require my focus. And it can be very easy for me to butterfly from one to the other and then stop what I'm doing and go and butterfly at the next thing. And okay, let me stop that because I just remembered that I have to do this thing and I can just do it really quickly and just get that off my list. But then I'm like con constantly dividing and diffusing my energy. And so that ability, which is a skill that I'm still honing. And it's so funny because it's so linked to meditation, but I haven't been living my life that way. And I'm like, oh, practical application to focus, you know, and it's like, when I'm focusing on the podcast, just do the podcast and just edit the whole episode, like in one go and stop stopping and answering, you know, the email that just came in or the, all the different ways that I get myself out of that flow. 
Um, but it's such a, you know, it's so relatable because I think we're all, we all have multiple, um, multiple things that we want to focus on, multiple things that are important to us and, and equally important, you know, and, um, so it's just, it, it's, it's inspiring to see, you know, how you're, how you're dealing with that. <laughs> it's, it's real too. I mean, I don't always, I don't do this perfectly, but, um, I have had to come up with, you know, efficiency hacks, energy hacks, like ways to be able to streamline energy. I, you know, people talk so much about time management, which I, kind of half-heartedly believe in, for me, it's more of energy management. How am I managing my energy at any given moment? And for me, that has to show up on my calendar. Like, okay, if I know that this time block is for, uh, even on the basic, if this time time block is for work, then I'm working. And if this time block is, I'm, you know, for kids and home, I'm not working. I don't, like, I am notorious for not you know, if my if anyone on my team or anyone needs to get a hold of me at, during kid kid times or you know when I'm mommying, um, I, you're not hearing from me until after the kids go to bed, and maybe not even then because I'm exhausted by that point. <laughs> um, so it's like I, I don't turn my business brain back on until whatever time, and then you'll hear from me. So, um, you know, and if you want to even go deeper into even those time blocks, it's like okay, for example, there are two types of kind of work energy that I have. One is writing or creation, like writing these scripts. And that takes a very unique energy. And then there's sort of administrative uh, energy, right? Of like doing the things. And then there's more like business growth strategy, CEO level growing type of things. And so I'm even very cognizant and, and I, you know, I'm not so perfectionist to, perfectionistic to need this on my calendar, but like like if I know I need writing, I can't do those other things. And they're so sexy to do. They're a lot more fulfilling because I can check those things off my list pretty easily. But the writing is like, it's what it's the most painful thing that I do in my business. And yet it's the most fulfilling because I can, I can come out of it afterwards and be so proud of that poem that I just wrote that I'm now going to create into a meditation and, and deliver to your ears so that you can really be, you know, touched and it can really hit your heart. Like that's, that's amazing. But like, there's time that needs to be dedicated to that. And that time it needs to be, um, needs to really be honored and, um, and cared for so that I'm not letting all of this other administrative or, you know, check things off the list energy come in. And I've, over the years, I've learned to marry that with time. So like, there's no way I'm going to have writing time on Mondays. That just doesn't work. On Mondays, I'm raring to go. I'm like, boom, boom, boom. I'm like in, like most of us on Mondays are just like, boom, let's go. Let's get the week started. Right. So uh, that's not writing time for me. I want to check things off a list. I want to go, go, go. And then by Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll be more into like a writing space. So my brain will need a break from the administrative stuff. So like that's energy management. And if you can be aware of that. And it, the way it comes down to meditation is that you, I, I am knowing myself. I am being hyper aware of who I am in any given moment so that I could see how I can align energies with tasks so that I can get the most out of any given day. Same with my kids. Like they're, they're sort of the opposite actually needs to happen. There are some days where there's sort of 
things for us to do together. And it's more of like, you know, we're going here, we're doing this, we're doing these things together. And then there are days where it's just like, I just want us home to have unstructured time. And that needs to be it. And I have to turn off the brain that wants to do and and complete things and accomplish. And, um, and so the, even that is knowing even the days of the week, okay, like by the end of the week, I absolutely don't want to go and run around town with the kids. Like I want to be at home. I want to chill. Maybe we'll even have a girls movie night, you know, if daddy's away. Like, so um, like all of that is just this incredible awareness of self that I have that, that is very practical in its application for how I want to maximize who I can, like what I can create in this world and who I can be in this world. Like that's very practical to me, but it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you talk about, because earlier you were talking about the seasons for the life and the seasons for a a woman's life. And I love how in tune you are with not only the energy that's required for each task, but the type of energy that you hold at different times. So, you know, that is so introspective and so, and it's, it's so practical. It's very introspective, but it's like, man, how much more can you, how much more productive can you be or how much more efficient can you be meeting just like, not that like to your point about, I don't need to work 80 hour days. Like that's not going to do or 80 hour weeks. That's not going to do it. Certainly not 80 hour days for sure. (laughs) (laughs) A little much. (laughs) Right. But the way that it's it's working like more efficiently and more with the the season that you're in or the you know the the strength of you know do i am i in a creative flow like not just am i in a flow but am i in a creative flow or am i in a task managing flow or um am i am i tired and i need to just do something that's like more rote and mundane and i don't need to like put creativity into it or um it's, it's working smarter, you know, and, and not just working, but also with, you know, applying that to every facet of your life is so important. I love Mm -hmm. it. That's great. So you talked about how you're an athlete and that you, um, don't always rely on meditation to kind of connect you with yourself. So, can you can you talk a little bit, just a li- expand upon that a little bit more in terms of um, th- ways that you sort of get into a meditative state without actually sitting down to meditate? Yeah, great question. So it's probably worth noting that if you were to ask me how I define meditation, I would define it as a pause um, for the purpose of sort of that detachment from thought that we talked about before. Right. But it's, it's a moment of pausing. And so if you, if you can see that broad of a definition, then all of a sudden a lot of different things that perhaps you're doing in your life, you can see now as like, Oh, that's, that's a meditation. Oh, that's a meditation. Or that's, that's very meditative for me. For me, um, probably the number one that is, uh, you know, apart from actually sitting down doing a guided meditation or sitting down and, and you know, being quiet for X amount of time is being out in nature. 
um, often, most often moving in nature. So uh, my husband and I go on walks every single weekend. Um, every single weekend, my kids have a sleepover at their at their uh, grandma and grandpa's, and so you know we get this downtime of you know about twenty four hours to just actually like breathe, look at each other, <laughs> reconnect. It's really beautiful, um, and that I'm not alone. I'm with him, and we are walking in nature. Sometimes we're super quiet the whole time. And sometimes we're just most of the time we're yapping on about the life that we dream of and, um, you know, what's going on in our lives or challenges that we're having and all these beautiful, deep and profound conversations. That is a very meditative experience for me. It's very cathartic. It, the being in nature for me, whether I'm with him or alone, has this incredibly beautiful effect of allowing me to remember that. I'm simultaneously the only person just like me in the entire universe. There's no one else. Like, there's no other me. I am so special. And I'm this teeny tiny little speck (laughs) in this massive, totally like beyond comprehension universe. And that reminder is incredibly humbling and always puts into perspective whatever big drama or you know troubled you know or issues or challenges i'm having at the time it always puts that in perspective in the sense that it reminds me like okay what's really important katie you know like okay so let's say worst case scenario happens really are you really is it okay are you really going to be okay you're going to be okay like is the world coming to an end no you're okay you know you're going to be okay you've got people who love you everything's fine like you just so being in nature for me is massively important. Um, and um, again, that could be a walking kind of a walking meditation, being in nature, sitting in nature and just watching the birds, listening for all the sounds, like seeing and observing life that you don't normally see because you're moving too fast. So that to me is very incredible. So I and then I also work out just about every day and I work out outside And so that in and of itself sort of hits that in the fact that, you know, like when I'm, you know, down on the floor doing whatever, you know, push-ups or, you know, crunches or whatever, I'm looking up at the sky, I'm watching the clouds go by, I'm listening for the cardinal, I'm trying to find the cardinal that I'm hearing, you know, so... Um, so that's big. The being, and then, you know, the the being in your body, I've heard a lot of athletes talk about the when they're working out, it is this very spiritual experience of of being in your body and being so in the moment. And I think that's what all of these practices can do that are not your typical sit and, you know, sit and meditate in the lotus position. Doing dishes, doing, you know, gardening, like these very mundane activities. The power of them is that they allow you to you, they amount they allow your mind to clear because you're f- so focused on just this one thing that you're doing in any given moment so that your mind can't think about anything else and it's incredibly calming um i wish dishes were on the list for me but i hate doing dishes <laughs> um but like i've gardened before and um you know just all these sorts of things so if there's any sort of mundane activity that you have i would consider that a medita- a form of meditation in the fact that you get a chance to pause from the normal spinning you know things moving in your mind all the time and that pause is refreshing and it feels really good so there's a gazillion other ways that you can practice meditation outside of what that what that typically might look like yes yes i love that 
I, I mean, I, and you're so right. If there is that mundane kind of task, it, it's, it's the practice also of just being like, okay, let me re-engage with it because we can find it so easy to kind of do it in the background and be like, well, I'm going to solve this other problem while I'm washing the dishes, for example. But it's like, okay, practice, let's like practice. Yeah. What does it like to be with the dishes in this moment? And that's, that can be like hard. <laughs> yeah. Very. And I think really what it is, is this coming to deep presence with what is. And for me, that's what the pause then leads to. So, you know, I call these I call these little moment, mini moments of mindfulness. So if you're in the shower, you know, instead of thinking about the 8,000 things you need to do, you can instead sort of zone that out and just really concentrate on, you know, the beads of water hitting your back, feeling the water sort of trickle down, feeling the warmth and temperature of the water. And that sort of quickly graduates to a sense of gratitude for that. Like not everyone gets a warm shower every day. And um, wow, how amazing this is. Like, wow, I'm so grateful for my house. I'm so grateful for this water, you know, cleaning me right now. You know, and that's where that stillness, that's really where that space then arises. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. So Katie, can you tell people how they can find you and how they can find your your help? Yeah. So if you go to womensmeditationnetwork.com, you can see all of our shows there, or you can go search in the podcast player that you're listening to now and just type in Meditation for Women. All of the podcasts that I have have that in the title, whether it's Sleep Meditation for Women, Morning Meditation for Women, Daily Affirmations. Um, so there's a ton of them there for you to grab and you know listen to all for free. And um, you can you know just kind of move your way through the giant library of meditations and sounds that are available for you. Wonderful. Well, this was so much fun. I'm so happy to have connected with you and thank you for your contribution. You were the very first Meditation Mondays um, in the series. So, and it was a beautiful meditation on gratitude, Um, but I'm so happy to be connected with you and I'm going to meet you in person at the end of January. So I'm very excited for that. Me too. So thank you so much, Katie. Kara, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love for you to do me one quick favor, which is to think of one person who would benefit from hearing this content. Let them know you're thinking of them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.